out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus, on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Deanne. I love butterflies. Ever since I was in high school and I went on a retreat called Chrysalis, I have loved the metaphor of transformation that turning a caterpillar, turning into a butterfly provides. But I learned something new about caterpillars and butterflies this past week. Did you know that when a caterpillar goes inside its chrysalis, the, the cocoon thing, that it doesn't change directly from a caterpillar into a butterfly. They look different, right? Right? Yeah. So it's not just a caterpillar that goes into a butterfly, but first, the caterpillar, when it's encased in this chrysalis, there's enzymes that dissolve the cells of the caterpillar, its muscles, its digestive system, its organs and stuff into this mushy goo. Did you know that? That the caterpillar is literally unraveled? I didn't know that. Every lesson that I ever learned on caterpillars and butterflies conveniently left out that really gross part. And really, when I heard that, I thought, oh, that's what COVID did. COVID, especially those first six months or that year, it turned our lives, the chrysalises of our lives, into this mushy, gooey mess. One day was dissolved into the next because we had no concept of real time. 
and all of the normal ways of delineating day to day and time from time, those weren't available anymore. It was just this big gooey mess of hanging out in our houses. And because of the way that COVID dissolved every part of our lives as we knew them, we're still ex experiencing this collective grief and this pain and this trauma. And if we don't acknowledge those things, if we just try to brush them under the rug, if we don't honor them and work through them, then they can fester and they can come out in all kinds of unproductive ways. And so this worship series that we've been working through for the past few weeks, this unraveled is meant to acknowledge that life doesn't always go as planned. Sometimes we have those tightly knit plans and they fall apart into loose threads and our identity, our path, it becomes undone. And our lives as happy little caterpillars, well, they turn into some mushy goo. And even when it feels like God isn't there, we know that the Holy Spirit is weaving together those loose ends, the grief and the isolation and the loss. And we recognize that in this series, knowing that it's not going to fix anything, but it's a step in acknowledging what has happened, acknowledging the pain and remembering that even when it doesn't feel like it, God is with us in the goo and in the mess of life. And today we conclude this series and we take a look at this story of Saul. Last week I mentioned King Saul in the Old Testament. This is a different Saul, okay? This is the Saul of the New Testament. And to give us some context, Jesus was born, he's lived, he's died, he's been resurrected, and his followers those, those first Christians, they were known as followers of the way. And they were being persecuted by some Jewish authorities. And Saul is one of those individuals. Saul believed that he was doing the right thing. To persecute, to question, to bring into question those early Christians. Because he thought that Jesus was a false prophet. He didn't believe that Jesus was the true Messiah, and so he believed that Jesus was leaving, leading people down the wrong way, the way away from a correct Jewish faith. And so because of that, in today's scripture, we see that Saul is on his way to Damascus, and he's going there with the idea, with the focus, to capture any believers of the way, to take them back to Jerusalem as some sort of religious inquisition. And it's on this journey that Saul has something very big happen to him. He's approaching Damascus, and it says in the scripture, it says he's breathing out murderous threats against the disciples of the Lord. And then all of a sudden, a light from heaven that is brighter than the noonday sun, brighter than the sun gleaming in people's eyes over here on this side of the sanctuary. It's brighter than that, and it flashed around him. Now, that would be startling to anyone. But for a devout Jew like Saul, he would immediately be reminded with this as how God manifested God's self in the Old Testament to the prophets of Scripture. 
in Exodus and in Ezekiel and Daniel, we see how God shows God's self in this same way. And so Saul, he, hear, he sees this in his mind, he's reminded of it, and he falls to the ground in anticipation of hearing God speak. But instead of seeing the God that Saul assumed he would see, the light that he sees is Jesus. And he hears this voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? But Saul doesn't recognize the voice. And he asks, who are you, Lord? He doesn't yet realize that it's Jesus. But because he knows that there's something important happening to him, he pays attention. And so the voice says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up and enter the city and you will be told what you must do. And so Saul gets up and when he opens his eyes, he realizes that he's blind so those with him, they lead him into Damascus where Saul is unable to see and he doesn't eat or drink anything for three days. Now we can understand, we can have those same experiences of what Saul experienced in our own lives. Whether it's the initial shock of, of the COVID lockdown or it's a family member being rushed to the hospital, a spouse telling you that they're leaving, a loved one dying, or any number of life-altering moments, life unravels for us and leaves the future unknown. And in those moments, it's scary, and it's startling, and it's overwhelming, and we're not sure what to do. And yet if we look at caterpillars, we know that they don't stay goo forever, do they? That's only the one part of their story. Once the enzymes are done breaking down that little caterpillar, there are these other special cells that are called into action. They're called imaginal disks. Apparently they imagine the new butterfly. And they get to work, and they build all the pieces of the butterfly out of the goo. Each disc is programmed to build a certain part, a wing, a body, a leg, an antenna. And slowly, over two weeks' time, something new is built. And we also know that Saul didn't stay blind forever, right? That's only part of his story. We see in the scripture that a devout follower of the way named Ananias, he goes to the house where Saul is and he places his hands on Saul's eyes. Now Ananias is someone who Saul just a few days ago would have been arresting and taking to Jerusalem to persecute. And he is there trusting God because he had his own vision. And he places his hands on Saul's eyes. And he said to him, Brother Saul, Brother Saul, the master sent me, the same Jesus you saw on your way here. And Ananias said, He sent me so you could see again and you could be filled 
with the Holy Spirit. And so no sooner were those words out of Ananias' mouth than something like scales, it says, were, fell from Saul's eyes. And he could see again. And so Saul then got to his feet and he was baptized into this new life. And he sat down with them and he ate a hearty meal, it says in the message. Now Saul surely was transformed. He was once blind, both literally and figuratively, and now he sees. And after spending several days in Damascus with those disciples, it says, at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. A complete 180. This guy who just weeks ago was persecuting Christians for their belief in Jesus is now preaching that very same message. Completely transformed. Oh, how I wish our transformations were that quick. I think about my husband, Russ, starting a new career as a chef after being a photographer, and it just didn't work out. And it's taken years. But now, he owns a restaurant, and he's doing events, and he's teaching people about food and sharing his love for food, and he's doing what he loves, and that is a transformation. Or the years that it takes to work through the grief and the loss of a loved one, or the healing from a cancer diagnosis, or the pain that's caused by a traumatic event or even the, the years it takes to find the new normal that is so elusive after COVID. Oh, how I wish that it only took three days like Saul. Or two weeks like a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. But in these stories, even in the midst of all of this, in the goo of life, of the unraveling, whatever we want to call it, we know that God can do amazing things. We can see these, these proofs, these evidences of God doing amazing transformations. God is the author of life and of new life. So if God can take a caterpillar, turn it into a pile of goo, and then turn that goo into, that's my new favorite word in case you didn't know, and turn that into a beautiful butterfly, God can make amazing things out of our tragedies. I don't know what it looks like, but I do trust and I do know that it's true. And if God can take Saul, this man who is breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, and turn him into the Apostle Paul, whose ministry established churches across several continents and transformed the future of the Christian faith, then with us, God can do the incredible things we haven't even imagined yet. Sometimes we are taken into, or God calls us into, this uncharted territory. And maybe our unraveling is simply this holy and fresh start. The first week, I ended my sermon with this, this quote, and I want to do it again because it's so very true. Maybe being unraveled is the release that we need in order to trust in our God, the great sowist 
to weave us back together into the shape that we were truly created to be. Isn't that a beautiful image of God sewing us together, knitting every moment, just like God knit us together when we were first created in our mother's womb? Thanks be to God. Amen. And as we come to Christ's table, we can see that this is an opportunity to be knit together, to be knit together as a community, right? And a knit together with God. Even when things fall apart and we have to spend time redoing them or starting again, God knits, God sews, God unites. So let us come together with this confession and this pardon, knowing that we are knitted and we are loved. God of new life, what would we give to have you appear with a flash of light and a clear voice like you did for Saul? Maybe then our doubts would disappear. Maybe then we could live as you called us to live. However, when our lives depend on faith, we forget your surprising grace. Instead, we draw lines around enemies and friends, who's in and who's out. We see the other faster than we see our neighbor and refuse second chances. Pull the scales from our eyes. Help us see as you see. Help us live as you live. And forgive us when we fail to. Humbly we pray. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. On the night in which Jesus gave himself for us, he took the bread from his table and gave thanks to God. And then told his disciples, take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. And then after the supper was over, he took the cup from his table. And again, after giving thanks to God, he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is the cup of my new covenant given for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink of it. Do this in remembrance of me. Most holy God, pour out your spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world, the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we get to feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. 
Amen. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. We pray that you might be with us and strengthen us by your spirit as we go into the world and give ourselves for others in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Redeemer. Amen. I invite you to stand as you are able as we sing our last hymn. may be seated. As we go from our time together, I want to give us 
a few ways that we can live out our mission to create safe, safe spaces to grow with God and one another, not just in this space, but in our lives as well. We begin the Lenten season on Wednesday with our Ash Wednesday service at seven o'clock. And so I invite you to join us for this as a way to prepare ourselves for the Lenten journey. We will break open ourselves and remember that in our brokenness that we can dig deeper with God. There's Ash Wednesday kits that are available here um, for those who would like to worship during that service online. And you can, can, you can grab one here at the church or you can call the church office and we can help get one to you. And then also this week, the United Methodist Women are meeting on Thursday, March 3rd at 9.30 in the morning, and you are invited to join them and hear the story of Carl Cook and his, his, his journey through addiction and homelessness and now working himself to, to end homelessness in Cleveland. And then also next Sunday with the beginning and the first Sunday of Lent, we have our many Lenten studies that are available. We have an opportunity on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock with Jenny. We have an opportunity on Sunday evenings at 7 o'clock with Reverend Kathy DeCreedy. One on Wednesday with myself as we work through Witness of the Cross. And then also along with that, we have our um, 9.15 lessons with the, um, what's it called? It just went out of my head. The spiritual practices. Thank you, ma'am. The spiritual practices as well as the prayer labyrinth that will be downstairs in Fellowship Hall every, um, every Sunday. And so there's many opportunities for you to grow in your faith during this Lenten season. And then also we have our Nehemiah Mission Challenge that is by our missions committee. You are challenged to, um, we're being challenged to raise $1,000 and we've actually exceeded that goal already in one week, but we can also surpass it. That is also a wonderful thing to do. And so I thank you for your generosity already and encourage you to give to Nehemiah Mission. And they're, they're doing all kinds of fantastic things in Cleveland. And I encourage you, um, if you would like to learn more, there's some breakfast opportunities on the 12th and the 16th to go and learn more from there. And then also we have, we have lots of big announcements this week. There's Lent, which is very exciting. And then we also want to announce our new office manager. We um, want to welcome Jacqueline Torres as our office manager. She will begin on Thursday. It'll be her first day in the office. She will be in the office from 9.30 to 2.30, Monday through Friday. And we're excited that she brings all kinds of wonderful experiences to this position. Um, right now, she's currently a, a stylist for Stitch Fix. And so you can maybe you can come in and get, I don't know, some style tips, right? And she also has a degree in ethnic studies and a background as an administrative assistant and a graphic designer. And she lives in Lakewood with her family and she's super excited to be joining our community and helping us to get settled in and get to work and make um, this office and, and this church her home. And she also happens to be um, Jen Spieth's sister, which we didn't find out until later. 
um, but Jen is actually in the comments on Facebook this morning um, helping us there. And so um, come into the office, send her an email, and tell her welcome as Jacqueline joins us. And then finally, we have a survey that we are putting out um, it's out in the newsletter, and it's also online, and you can um, help us take this Sunday morning survey as we take a look at our Sunday morning schedule. We, had a ske we came back to a new schedule, and that came out of a survey last year, and so now we've been in this schedule for a while, and so we want to see what's working, what's not working, what needs to change, what needs to be tweaked. And so this is an opportunity for everyone to share their um, thoughts, their responses, and also um, I encourage you to pray for a task force that will be meeting regularly to talk about this and, and work through this together. And so all of those are ways that you can connect, you can grow, you can get to know who we are better here at BUMC. And so I encourage you to use these opportunities and also the many, many more that I didn't say mention that are on our link tree. And so with all of that, let us receive our benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace. Go in peace and not in pieces. Amen.